so you can grow yourself and grow your marriage. Chris and Jonna here with the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. This is episode number 81. And Ledger wants to hang out too. And chapter three of the Triggers book. And I guess the third episode of the book club. I think we've just yes. landed on book club because it just. Yeah. Because we don't have time to come up with figure anything, anything else. else out. <laughs> I got to tell you guys, I'm sorry because I think on our first episode, I was like, yeah, we're going to cover all five chapters this week. And well, we're not. Um, we're going to just kind of dish them out to you. We're trying to figure out our rhythm here. But we also wanted to give you guys time to get the book if you haven't yet. The link to uh, the book on our Amazon account is in the show notes. So. Go get the book and read along with us here. What are we talking about today, babe? All right. So today we are going to jump into disrespect. Oh, and you know, I feel like we already feel like we've probably talked about disrespect, but that's what I like about... There's so much of it that happens around us. Yeah, right. Well, these days. But I feel like that's what I really like about this book is that it breaks down each one and helps, I don't know, just take a deeper deeper dive. Each trigger. It breaks down each trigger, right? So... So this is another external one, even though it might feel like an internal battle. This is an external one, and uh, something that I felt was really powerful that kind of gave me a new perspective was how the author of this chapter, Amber, is it, right? Um, Amber? It's every other, so yeah. who, who's that? Yeah, let me check it, what you're talking about. Amber, Wendy, Amber, yeah. So Amber talks about how we feel like disrespect is a personal attack on mm-hmm. us and we briefly mentioned it in chapter one but it's true it's like when your kid back talks or freaks out on you or uh, disobeys we automatically think they are disrespecting us but uh, there's more to the story well it's it shows where it shows that our ego is fragile honestly and i'm saying our because i'm saying us too because the second that one of them is disrespectful to us you do she amber talks about in the chapter how your body will have a physical reaction to the disrespect showing that it is a trigger so a new perspective that chris and i really took away or i guess i don't want, need to speak for you because oh, you're going to speak for yourself yes. <laughs> but both of us took away was that the biblical and this is what amber was talking about she's like the biblical the biblical picture of respect is a mature spiritual mindset. And she said, this is something we need to keep in mind when our immature kids don't measure up to our expectations for respectful attitudes and actions. So that really, I think, smacked both of us in the face because we're like, again, kind of like we talked about the other way, other episodes, like, duh, they just, they just got here. Like, we can't expect them to be able to exhibit a spiritually mature, biblical-minded mindset whenever... I mean, we're grown adults and we still struggle with that. Yeah, and I think the key word there is mature, well, key words is mature spiritual mindsets. Obviously, we know our kids being young, there's really no sense of maturity there uh, until they reach the later years, I feel like, and then maybe not even then. But <laughs> but the big thing is the mature spiritual mindset. Yeah, like like we're saying, obviously, we can't expect our kids to understand what respect is at that level and well, the the level that we do and so we can't associate disrespect um with them inherently knowing what respect is <laughs> i felt like that was such a mouthful but it's a little bit but it's true it just it kind of goes back to stuff we talk about on our podcast anyways intention wise it this 
this perspective kind of helped me to look at the kids when they are being disrespectful and kind of think about their intentions. Like, wait, is our two-year-old maliciously being intent on, like, knowing how rude or how disobedient, how disrespectful that is? Or is she just trying to get our attention, not understanding? And maybe she does understand. I know sometimes, I mean, I know that our two-year-old sometimes knows what she's doing is wrong, but she's still, she's only two, you know, she's still immature. So the best example or the best way we can work through this, and I guess as many of us are trying to do is fix our kid, which like we've already learned so far in this book, it's more about fixing our triggers is realize that we need to set a humble fixing our reactions to the triggers. Well, yeah, understanding where our triggers, what our triggers are, and yes, preparing and fixing our reactions to them. And so the best thing that she said here to me was just that our kids need our kind instruction and a humble example to grow in this area. So what kind of example are we setting for them? And this, for me personally, I hear our oldest sometimes snap at her sisters and, and scold her sisters in a really harsh tone. And it's convicting to me because I realize I'm setting that example for her, and that's where I need to kind of look at myself here to fix what's going on in the house. Yes, I am. I'm totally with you. So, the question you might be asking yourself is, okay, cool, got it. D- disrespect seems like kids can't really grasp the content of or concept, sorry, of a mature mindset. And so, with that being said, what can we do? How can we? How can we change our reaction to this trigger of disrespect? And the author. Amber gives us six ways to act like Jesus when our kids are disrespectful. And so we're going to cover three of them here with you. And then, you know, if you have the book, you can you can dive into the other three. Let's pick our first three. All right, Chris, do you want to go first? All right. So the first one that we picked here was uh, one of the weaknesses for for us, I would say, collectively. We've gotten better over the years, but it's remaining calm. And I know that's a hard one for all of us, uh, but I think what's important is that we intentionally choose to realize like, hey, things could fly off the handle at some point today. Uh, so almost almost expecting that that could happen uh, and then realizing that we have a choice, right? The choice is to blow up and make things worse and exacerbate the problem or take a, take a breather and kind of figure out what need are they trying to meet uh, and how can we how can we be calm like uh like Jesus would for us, right? Yeah. Well, I think somebody's probably listening like, okay, yeah, that's easy for you to say, but I can assure you it's not because it is I I believe so the side note, I've learned recently that um about sensory issues that a lot of us moms might have that are triggered because of again, past issues that have not been cleared up or just sensory overload because if you think about it, when you have one, two, three, four, however many kids there's constant interaction, there's constant noise, there's constant needs, there's constant touching. And it those for me can be triggers when all four of them need something at the same time and the music is playing and I can hear Chris on a phone call or whatever. Like those are the moments for me, just to give an example, that I find really hard to stay calm because not even because of what everybody else is doing, just because of the mental overload. So I think um, I, I'm just, I guess I'm just saying that to say, like, I get it that it sounds easier. It's easier said than done to just be calm. But so for, yeah, well, you, you can go ahead. Go ahead. 
You got you give a very serious point. Uh, okay, a uh, really well. Let's uh, let's hope so. Okay, so what I was thinking was ultimately we want to show our kids the right thing to do, and so if they were in a situation where they were upset with a friend or upset with their siblings or something threw them over the edge because obviously they have different frustrations than we have and a different threshold for sure, how would we want them to react? Uh, because like you said earlier, babe, it's like when we hear our oldest yell and scream at her sisters, she obviously picked that off from somewhere. And so we need to remember that us remaining calm is not only good for us, but it's also a good example to show our kids. True that. So something I do, though, to be able to remain calm is I, I really do. I just I pray in that moment and I try to take some deep breaths and pause before responding because um, honestly, I can't I cannot do it by my own strength or will because being a mom and being a dad is freaking hard. It sure is. <laughs> um, okay, so the number two, we're, we're not going to cover all six because we want you to read two, but um, number two, speak the truth in love. And she talks about the tone of your voice and and how it comes across. And, you know, something that I find really helpful in doing this is getting down on their level. So I'm kind of going to add like a 2B to this. Um, it's getting down there on their level and speaking the truth and love to them, explaining why what they're doing is disrespectful and how they can say it better. And, and even being honest and, and vulnerable with them and saying, no, that hurts my feelings when you, when you talk to me like that. Because believe it or not, they're little bitty minds and hearts can grasp, um, they have a conscience and they, they, I feel like a lot of times when we've done this, they've actually been more inclined to turn around and, and apologize and think about their behavior when we talk to them about how it hurts and and what Jesus would want them to do. That's really stuck with them lately. Yeah, for sure. I would say, uh, I would, I would echo all of those things. I, have t- I mean, I've tried both methods. I've tried to just be, uh, kind of intimidating an intimidating figure in their life where my authority meant what it meant and what I said I meant it and you better listen and then I've also had moments like exactly what you just said just kind of getting down on their level talking to them uh, and being able to uh, being able to kind of show them understanding and affirm like hey look I know you're mad I know you're upset I know I know that your sister made you angry, and that's why you punched her. <laughs> like, and you're like, just secretly, affirming those things, right? Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, speaking speaking truth to them, um, and then having more of a loving tone is it's pretty powerful. I'm not gonna lie. Well, let's talk about that for a second because there's been times where before reading this book, you've done that, and you'd be like, "Well, look, they listen to me better. Like, I, it's obviously working. There, I want them to be not afraid, like in like a." I don't know. I can feel like that sounds wrong, but you know what I mean? Like afraid of me because I am the authority figure. But it's interesting because in this chapter, I'm going to read just a little bit of what Amber said because it really struck me. She said, we live in a world where we are taught to nip things in the bud immediately. And in some ways there is a time and place for that. But we must examine how Jesus responds to disrespect. He loved, he forgave, he asked them questions to make them think with simple truth. And then he prayed submitting himself and his own reactions in his unjust trial to his heavenly father. So I do feel like that's the way we've been trained to just immediately fix it. And sure, if you scare them or if you spank them or you yell at them in the moment, it might make them stop doing the behavior. But I think what this is saying is long-term is it teaching them 
the lessons and the teaching them the ways to behave in the real world. And I, I don't think so. Yeah, I agree. I definitely, I definitely agree with that. I think, uh, I think at the end of the day, um, the most important thing is that I forgot what you were saying. Are you serious? I did for some reason. I started to make a point and I was like, wait, my mind just blanked. But what you said was really important. I just really talked important. about <laughs> nipping it in the bud in the moment because oh, that's yeah, what yeah, they yeah, teach yeah. Us, culture teaches. What I was going to say is at the end of the day, um, it's important for us to realize there are there are two paths. It's one, I'm just looking for compliance really fast and I'm looking for short-term compliance. And two is I'm looking for this to be a lesson. And this to be a long-term problem that is that is either fixed or at least worked on. Which I hope if you're hearing this, you're hearing that as a new perspective maybe because I know that it's kind of a touchy subject, discipline, or just really parenting is a touchy subject. But I think it's so important to remember, and I'm going to probably say this a million times throughout this um, book club series, but so important to remember that we really are molding future adults and teaching them how to be in relationships and be in the world. And I think that's just something that's really, I don't know, it's really shaping the way I respond to them and thinking about teaching a lesson rather than just, um, yeah, yeah, forcing them into compliance. Yeah. So number three, the, the third thing we are going to choose here is what? You're choosing. I did. Uh, let's do, hmm. I think... That one's good because you've... All right. Let's do forgive. Yeah. And it seems cliche, but I mean, let's be real. There there are so many grudges we hold and our kids probably see that and sense that, whether it's with our parents or or fallouts from different friendships or different people that we've been around in the past. I think our kids pick that up. And so if our goal is to do the right thing, even when we don't feel like it, and teach our kids to do the same thing, uh, then we got to practice what we preach and live live by that as well. So I think forgiving is huge because there are some times where, uh, where, and I think we've mentioned it before, it is really humbling to get on your, get on your kid's level and be like, hey, I was wrong. I lost my cool. Doesn't mean that, you know, you weren't wrong, <laughs> but, right. but I lost my cool and I shouldn't have reacted that way. I could have reacted a lot better to what you did. Uh, and I don't know, there's, there's just something that I feel like really develops a level of trust with mm -hmm. your kid when they see you humble themselves. Because I think honestly, what it's been is in the past through different generations, it's like parents are always supposed to be like, well, do this because I said so. And ultimately what it's always come down to is, is, you know, it actually, it actually was never, a, there was never evidence that our parents could show us humility. Uh, and so if we're able to show humility to our kids, it's not a sign of weakness. I think it's just a sign of uh, not being a hypocrite, really, and being humble. Which I think are two things that would be really important for them to see as they grow up, because um, I would imagine it would be really hard for them to think that to see us in that authoritarian role of just like, I'm right always because I'm the parent and then never never admitting faults never asking for forgiveness never showing that we're human and and i also think just to add on to that a lot of people i have heard leave the church because of the hypocrisy 
and because of what they see doesn't match up with what um, Bible the Bible says and what God's people should be representing, as I always like to say, that God has a PR problem because his people don't represent him well. So I think that's the same, not just out there, you know, you can't see my hand gestures I'm making, but not just out there, but in the home. If we want to raise children, and if you're reading this book or listening to this um, series, then I'm, I'm assuming you're on the same page here. If we want to raise children by biblical standards that that grow up to love God and follow his word, we have to be willing to show them all sides here and not just the righteous, um, yes, righteous, holier than thou, we don't do anything wrong type side. Like I want them to know it's true. that we make mistakes too, so that they don't think when they make mistakes suddenly that they're not um, a believer. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, for sure. And I, I'll speak to that really quick. I So growing up in the church, I remember seeing a lot of kids who they're I remember one time I I was I was probably like maybe eight years old or something like that, and a family at church had a, l- a little guy my age, and uh, I wanted to go over to his house to hang out and play, and I went over, and I just remember his dad and his mom acting so different at home than they did at church. At church, they were like, oh, God bless you, this, that, and the other, right? And then I just remember his dad like blowing up at the kids. And obviously, you know, now being a parent, I realized maybe he wasn't a mean dude. He just was losing his cool. And his his mom and dad just, you would not have thought that they were church-going people who were, who were, who were really, you know, <laughs> I don't know, strong, strong, good examples of good Christians based on what I saw hanging out over there just for an afternoon. Like I I left and I was basically like, wow, that was so weird. They're like different people. And I think it's easy for us to play the church card or even for me and Jonna. I mean, look, we have some, some level of an influential brand. And so it would be easy for our kids to see us run a podcast as they grow up and be like, yeah, mom and dad, they have a marriage podcast. You know, they fight all the time and all this stuff. And uh, I think we are trying so hard to be, just real and open with them and show them like, look, uh, your mom and your dad aren't experts in parents. We're not experts in, in relationships. Uh, we are just trying to be open and, uh, and ultimately just be an open book and show our kids that obviously we're going to make mistakes. But at the end of the day, if we are one, asking God for forgiveness and repenting and, and two, um, asking each other for forgiveness, I mean, better days are ahead, right? Let's hope. Let's hope. <laughs> well said, dear. Well said. I try. It was a little long-winded there, but... Uh, you talk a lot. Yeah, I do. Okay. Well, uh, does that pretty much wrap up chapter three? Yeah, I think I think that covers what we mainly took out of disrespect. I mean, we'd love to hear from you all if you have anything you want to add or something you took differently or whatever, um, because guess what? We have a phone number now. If you haven't listened in, you can text us. Um, at 513-620-4333. I hope that's the right number because I just took it off the top say, of my head. <laughs> there's no note in front of you here. I'm really hoping that's the right number. I think it is. But <laughs> you can you can text us book suggestions. You can text us uh, questions, review. Uh, what else? I mean, anything. anything Not anything. Any, well, anything relative, to, uh, anything relative to our podcast and uh, – you know, wanting to learn and grow uh, in in any capacity around relationships or we might even read it health or on anything. air. Yeah, you, yeah, you never know. <laughs> okay, you got anything else for them, babe? I think that's it. All right, guys. Well, 
Thanks so much for listening to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage book club series. Uh, be sure to check out the show notes so you can hop on over to Amazon and get a copy of the book Triggers Yourself and read along with us. And I don't know when, but we'll be back soon with chapter four. All right, guys, take care.